When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hockey fans, are you ready to Brave the Wild? With me, your host, Peldino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Brave the Wild is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podman, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, blah, blah, blah. I could go in all day. I can go on all day like Audible. Podbean is working again, which is great. Stitcher, Double Twist. Uh, I think I'll be getting on Anchor at some point, but I suppose that's more of a host than, than a podcast listening app. So that's another thing. They work with Spotify, but it's a great pleasure to be back on board with you once again today. And thank you always and forever for downloading and listening to the show. Kind of a cloudy, murky, dreary day, but certainly not that way with the Minnesota Wild. have won seven games in a row. Absolutely awesome. It's been a lot of fun. We just hope the Minnesota Wild can maintain this type of play, this level of play, heading into the postseason. Let's just not get hot and the regular season, and then here come the playoffs, and here we go again. So the good news is, though, in the past, the Minnesota Wild would swoon in March, and then that would, you know, drag into April, and we'd make the playoffs, maybe we'd have a couple good games, but then we'd be out in the first round, and it was just the same old story in the infamous Parisi Suter era. And last year was kind of all over the place. It was a lot of fun. There was definitely a different vibe, but Parisi and Suter were still here. So let's see what happens the first season without those two. Uh, expensive guys on the roster and uh, stuff like that. Uh, at the end, and uh, yeah, let's just move on from that topic. Um, at the end of the day, it feels good. At the same time, though, I want to apologize for the not real good audio on my end last week. Derek did just fine. The audio was pretty good coming from his end. I think what happened was when I loaded up the Skype, which is the app I used. It went to the wrong microphone. I think it went right to the direct uh, laptop microphone or maybe even the earbuds that I was using, AirPods. And it sounded kind of like I was, I don't know, far away and not good quality. And it wasn't loading up to the uh, producer USB that I normally use. I think that could have been the issue. And that happened on a different show as well. I don't know if it was Brave the Wild, Pearl Mafia, or Turnbull's Explosion. It happened on one of them uh, a while back, like a couple weeks back. So again, apologize for that issue. And hopefully I've corrected that this time around. The audio is never going to be a hundred percent perfect until I really <laughs> have like an actual, some somewhat of a studio, but that's, that's just how life goes. Uh, it's going to be a definitely a fun show. Going to talk a bit about the whole defenseman situation because, well, Alex Galagoski has signed a you know, annual average annual value of two million for two years. So obviously four million for two years coming up here. So a bit of a surprise for a bit of us. And so I'm going to talk a bit about defensemen. I'm going to talk about Kaprizov. He's 
basically breaking off the all-time uh, Wild single-season records. And he's probably going to be the greatest player of all time with Wild. In fact, it's just about obvious now. It's just not official, you know, because it's kind of early. Talbot, what an unbelievable job he's done, even going back before the trade deadline, because he knew. He knew something was up. Of course he did. And a little talk about the Gophers and the NCAA tournament, the Frozen Four. We're going to talk a little bit about that. That's going to be kind of a, in the, pro, uh, you could call it the prospect uh, section and such. It's not going to be just reviews and previews and this and that. I'm going to try to be more topical on today's show. I think it's a good idea rather than me just babbling about game reviews and such. So I'll, I'll go into it a little bit, but I'll try my best to keep it down because it's four games to review, four games to preview in that sense. Definitely a busy schedule. Fantasy hockey still going. Fantasy basketballs, you know, obviously that was in the playoffs, so we'll talk about that some other time. Nah, no, we won't actually. Uh, yeah, this goes all the way to the end of April. So obviously super busy schedule throughout the month of April coming up, which is going to be quite interesting. Of course, spring cleanups will be starting at some point in the month of April. Certainly not as early as in the past. So just a heads up, if I tend to disappear or the schedule starts to fluctuate in the next two to three weeks, that would be the reason why for that. Um, but where to start with Alex Goligoski? Let's get back to the salary cap. Let's get back to cap friendly. Time to talk about that again. It's And I enjoy talking about it. It's just, yeah, it, I did not expect this to happen. I did not expect the Minnesota Wild to re-sign Alex Golikowski, but it does real or it does reek of a gentleman's agreement type of thing. Like, hey, we'll give you five million to come here, and, you'll, uh, and then you'll agree to uh, stay for a cheaper contract afterwards, no matter what, no matter how you play. You play great, you play not so great. We'll give you the uh, the term afterwards with a cheaper amount of money. We'll give you the big payday early, so we can, uh, you know, since since there's a lot of cap space and there won't be much going forward. It's not the biggest cap crunch of all time. I mean, $2 million cap hit is not that bad, generally speaking, <clears throat> considering Hulikov is actually making more, 250000 more. Uh, John Merrill, only one point two. It's not the end of the world. It's just the term when it comes to John Merrill, the term and the commitment. But i got to think that's a very tradable contract, one way or another, even if you think he stinks. Well, it's kind of tradable. It is three years to go. Um, John Merrill conveniently, like I keep saying, conveniently dropped off right when the contract was signed. It just totally felt that way. And welcome to planet Earth. I mean, once you guarantee something to someone, it's just, it is what it is. Or once you put in the long contract or whatever, it is what it is. It's not like there's an opt-out for the Minnesota Wild or anything after next season. <laughs> no, no, that's just not there. Uh, the cap hit is what it is. We have to worry about that. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury would be in a UFA. I thought Fleury was making more, only 3.5, wow. But, uh, yep, he'd be a UFA. We'll see what happens after that. Again, 37 years of age. But you had, uh, you know, Hoshik play until he was 43, and he was still great all the way to the end, even as a even as a really good backup in his 40s. Talbot, again, absolutely fantastic the last couple of weeks. There's just no question about it. Uh, the identity of the team has improved in a lot of ways. Uh, you've also seen, uh, unfortunately... <laughs> Connor DeWard getting sent down back to the minors wasn't very productive. Let's just be honest about it. He's good. You know, he's one of the Dewey brothers and all that, and we love talking about that. Not the Doobie brothers, but the Dewey brothers. <laughs> but when you look at his whole body of work, when you're talking about 30 games, only two goals, three assists, five points, minus five on a team that's got a lot of pluses on it, I'm sorry. It's just I wanted more. I, I think he's capable of more, and you could see it. You could see the ability there just wasn't finishing. Doggone it. Uh, Connor DeWard just wasn't finishing. 
for lack of better words, when I say doggone it. Um, <clears throat> Brendan DeHame's a little bit more productive. I mean, kind of, sort of. 63 games, 16 points. It's only six goals, too many sixes. But if, I guess once you get past three, it's not so bad. <laughs> um, but this does kind of, the whole defenseman situation is really interesting going forward. When you talk about prospects a little bit, and you look at the whole situation and such. Now, Kaylin Addison and Alex Golgowski play on the other side of each other. But, of course, guys do play on offsides just to get the, the like a full lineup out there that you want. Sometimes you have two left defensemen or two right defensemen. I'd say two left is more likely, usually. Um, but this does kind of confuse things a little bit, unfortunately, going forward when it comes to that. The commitment to Alex Golgowski, I suppose you can trade him. There's no new no move clause or anything. I suppose you can trade him. Um, and I was imagining if the Wild had like a terrible season for some reason, just everything went wrong, that Golgowski would have actually gotten traded this year. I was imagining that maybe the Wild retained salary a little bit to uh, complete the deal uh, if something like that happened. But of course, the Wild are having a very good season. Ellis Golgowski started super well, and you figure, yeah, he's going to sign like a bargain deal after this. You knew it was coming if, say, he was playing well. But then, once we got to the midpoint or so of the season, Alex Golagoski's fallen up the face of the earth. And any objective, honest hockey fan can tell you Alex Golagoski's been terrible for the most part the second half of the season. So the thought of committing two more years to him, even if it's two million each, seems a little strange, especially when you have so many talented defensemen in the grapevine, a la Carson Lambos and such. Uh, Lambos is super young, but, well, sooner or later... He's got to be coming around. And I don't know. The whole cap crunch situation does drive me crazy. Kalen Addison, what are we going to do with that one? Um, that's the tough thing. <clears throat> right shot, I do think, is more crowded at the moment when it comes to prospects and such. But at the same time, I mean, eventually you're going to want space for the left shots as well. So I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Jack Purd is a left shot. I mean, most of the draft picks the last two years have been on the left side. The draft picks when it comes to defensemen and such. And others like Kyle Masters, I have no idea what's going to happen. Uh-huh. He's he's all right. He's, he's been all right for the Red Deer Rebels, but isn't standing out that much. you got Lambos and Pert, both left shots. So that's the whole conversation there. Nate Benoit is a left shot, and he's got, what, zero points in 11 games for Omaha so far since he was traded there. Obviously, uh, you know, <laughs> junior trade. It's not Minnesota Wild trading him. Or anything crazy like that. Uh, I'm already kind of almost jumping into the prospect segment in a lot of ways, kind of indirectly. Ryan O'Rourke, you know, it's just, again, the whole defense, and he's left shot. So he's a guy that I think is much closer to coming to the NHL. He'll certainly be in the, in Iowa next year. There's like 100% chance, and to think he was in Iowa a whole year ago at, gosh, 18 years of age and how productive he was in that stint. Obviously not great, but productive, damn productive for an 18-year-old. Let's be honest about that. Um, it's just, you know, it's just kind of strange, strange kind of uh, committing so much uh, contracts, so many contracts to so many guys on defense when you have a pretty damn full grapevine. So, and you're going to have more guys coming in in, in this draft. So, that's another big part of it. The whole Dumba Fiala thing, that's going to be a constant, constant debate. Most people would agree that Kevin Fiala brings a special skill that Dumba does not. Um, Dumba's got the intangibles, the, the leadership, this and that, people like that. But the, the dumb bomb isn't what it used to be for some reason. 
Uh, he's not a 50-point guy. He's just not. That happened once. Looked like it was going to happen more often, but ever since the whole pectoral injury, and I talk about this almost every week now, you're probably sick of it, uh, he hasn't been that same guy, and I don't see that ever coming back, unfortunately. So, <laughs> it's, to me, obviously, Kevin Fiala has more of a special skill, brings something much more special, much harder to find, so to speak, than Matt Dumba does, and he's two years younger as well. Uh, question becomes, how much is he going to demand in a contract, seven, eight million? So, if I could, if I absolutely could, I know you're able to trade Dumba and make space for him, Kevin Fiala, seven years, seven million per. That would be about where I would lean. Maybe not my first offer. Maybe I'd try to go to 6.5, but I'm guessing he would balk at that with 60 points already. He's been insanely great this year. After an extremely slow start, uh, he's the opposite of Alex Golgoski this year. Super slow start. Looked like, oh boy, he is not helping himself too much. But at the same time, it's like he's play, he played well, but he just wasn't finishing. Maybe like a super-duper Connor DeWeer in a sense, right? Where he's playing really well, but not finishing. And then all of a sudden, he started finishing. And then he kept finishing. And he kept finishing. <laughs> Apologize for re, uh, repeating so much, but still, I mean, now he's at 60 points on the season, many clutch points, and of course, numbers that don't show up in the stat sheet really is those uh, the shootout goals, which were pretty damn important because, well, they still count. Even though we can make fun of shootouts and think it's a load of BS all we want, it still counts for something. It counts, and he's uh, Fiala, him being Fiala, is third on the team in goals because Kirill Kaprizov is 37, which is absolutely off the charts now, and Ryan Hartman, 27. Still a great season and fellow line mate there with the Kaprizov and Zooks. So uh, Fiala, again, I think Boldy and Fiala need each other. I think they'd be fantastic playing together for many, many years, regardless if Goudreau's the center for now or not. I think it's going to be, uh, I think it'd be an absolute crying shame to see Fiala go. But that said, how far in are we about? Wow, 12 and a half minutes. Holy cow. But it's it's an important topic. I'm just, I'm not jumping for joy about the Goligoski edition. At the same time, maybe, just maybe we put a, maybe would have had to sign some kind of a lower-end free agent anyway, one way or another. But probably for cheaper. That's the thing. Probably for cheaper. And at the same time, best-case scenario, one of those youngsters is good enough to make it to the NHL. But I guess they just don't see that happening. I think I would have given a one-year extension if it was me. But maybe this was a wink-wink a without the ink-ink. It must have been. That's my guess. Wink, wink, without the ink, ink, and I'm not trying to accuse anybody of doing anything dishonest. It's just, I think there's, I think there's always kind of little gentleman agreements out there that that exist in professional sports. It's not necessarily a dishonest thing. Not necessarily. Everybody kind of could feel this coming. Um, again, though, wonderful week, generally speaking. Who do we play? Vancouver. Yep, we beat uh, <laughs> Bruce. There it is, Columbus. Every game ended up going to overtime, and it was so much fun. Uh, and the Wild ended up winning. Yulia connect with the game winner in the first one. That was extremely exciting. Kaprizov racking up assists. Now 45 at this point in the game. Quinn Hughes at his 47. That's what a great season he's having under Bruce there. JT Miller, people were always hoping he'd come to the Wild. He ended up scoring yet another goal for Vancouver, who's still very much in the playoff uh, picture in the Western Conference, the Western, Bester, and Campbell Conference, whatever you want to call it. Yes, <laughs> he doesn't know it. Thank God for the pause button there. almost choked myself. That's how that goes. But again, very fun night versus the Vancouver Canucks, a 3-2 to overtime victory. 
while going from crappy in overtime and crappy with the extra man to being great, of course, no, this wasn't an extra man situation. It just went to OT at the end of the day. But, uh, yeah, we're back to being clutch again. And in the playoffs, you're going to want to, you know, that's, you know, there is no shootout. you got to score in overtime to win the game and potentially advance in a closeout situation or Game 7, which has a closeout one way or another situation. Jared Spurgeon with a celebration there. That was fun to watch. Overtime goal. And the cool part is how the Wild are scoring pretty early in these overtimes. That's the other part. You get it over with. You get rid of the risk. Guys like Marc-Andre Fleury and Cam Tall are making the big saves that they need to. Elvis, Elvis, I'm just going to call him Elvis because I keep freaking up his last name and I'm really sorry about that. I should know because I've heard it a million times, but now I forget because I'm stupid. I can remember 1985, crystal clear, yet I can't remember a guy's name that I heard, mm, you know, five, ten minutes ago. I'm getting caught up on things and such. <laughs> Generally speaking. So that's just how it is sometimes. Um, <laughs> but another clutch victory against a team that we've struggled against this club. And Elvis has just been freaking awesome against the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov, late clutch goal, though. Jonas Berdeen, Kevin Fiala assisting on that one. Definitely an extra man situation there. So the Wild successful with the extra man versus the Columbus Blue Jackets. After being insanely successful early in the season and then terrible for a while during the down period, let's just leave that alone, around in February and early March, and then back to being extremely clutch again. So that's what happens. I mean, your goaltenders start playing better. Obviously, uh, Talbot starts playing better when the rumors start floating around. Then you bring in Flurry, who is Hall of Fame level. Talbot keeps playing extremely well. You could argue he's the better goalie right now. But uh, Flurry going forward, we'll see. He might clinch game seven of you know, this second-round series versus Colorado to send us to the uh, Western Conference Final. It could very much be what's happening. If we get past Colorado, the sky's the limit. It's like a stock. Once it gets past this ceiling, like, say, the stock keeps going up to $29, up, it hit a ceiling, it's coming back down to 26 and then it starts kind of creeping back up, and 29 and back down to 25 Gosh, that was frustrating. And then kablooey, it breaks through the 29 finally, and then it's $45. <laughs> that's that's kind of how it works. If the Minnesota Wild can get past Colorado, I see that as a glass ceiling situation. I think the Wild win the West if they can get past the uh, Colorado Avalanche. I think the Wild could absolutely win the West. Yep. But then again, Calgary is a really, really tough team. They might actually be a worse matchup than Colorado, but at least we might be prepared to play them going forward. Nice, fun win, though. Versus the Columbus Blue Jackets <clears throat> at the end of the day. Pardon me, I'm just <laughs> choking on myself here. Colorado Avalanche, Wild did everything but choke in this game. That's for damn sure. And get to 20 games above 500. An incredible 20 games above 500 despite Colorado's extremely gaudy record. To think they already have 100 points. 100 when you have a literally a full month of hockey to play. Minnesota Wild should be able to reach 100 points this year. Colorado looks like the Detroit Red Wings back in the late 90s and such, and some other unbelievable teams at the end of the day, which unfortunately spells something very special. They had a media, uh, they had a up-and-down kind of goalie in Chris Osgood back then, as you might see, Darcy Kemper that way. Like, you beat him a little bit, and then they, you end up knocking them out in, early in the playoffs, which kept happening to Detroit. And then, finally, Detroit broke flew, uh, through a part of me and became what they were, uh, a team that would go on to win three Stanley Cups in a matter of, what, five years, and four in a matter of ten. So, pretty cool. 
And you get to see Tyson Jost versus uh, Nico Sturm when it's Colorado a bit. And nothing really happened there other than Tyson Jost was, yeah, he was okay. Six wins in the faceoff, six losses. <laughs> Nico Sturm actually won 5-4 to four at the end of the day. An insanely talented Colorado club. And a former uh, Anaheim Duck, a very solid player, Andrew Cogliano, joining the mix there the last year. Um, but the Minnesota Wild, matching up physically with this Colorado team and frustrating Nathan McKinnon to a point that he starts a fight and such. Uh, pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool to watch. And such a McKinnon and Dumba. That was very entertaining to see. Uh, Kale McCarr was getting extremely frustrated. He wound up with no points on the game, though a plus... Uh, plus one at the end of the day. Mikhail Makar was getting extremely frustrated in some moments with uh, Ryan Hartman. But that's the difference when you bring in these big physical guys like Jacob Middleton and uh, Delorier. I was going to mispronounce it again, but at least I got that one right. Who could forget Delorier when it rhymes with DeLorean? Um, but that's the difference. I mean, these moves have been... Fantastic. Obviously, again, you bring in Flurry. It motivates Talbot. Both of them make each other better. You know, I mean, who would have thunk two goalies can make each other better? Especially when you watch Devin Dubnik as long as we did. You know what would happen if Marc-Andre Flurry was brought in when Devin Dubnik was still here? Do you realize what would have happened? Yeah, you can probably guess. It wouldn't have been a good situation at all. It would have been bad. Uh, Dubnik would have sulked. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't need to spell it out. I think you guys know more than I do. <laughs> Or at least most of you do. Maybe not everyone. Um, some of the fanboys out there might just get mad at me and unfollow the show. That's okay. Go ahead and do that if you want to be that way. Uh, Calum Talbot, though, unbelievable in the game. It's not just that he stopped 40 shots, 40-42 at the end of the day. It's the fact that he stopped like a 2-on-0. <laughs> at least in one instance and several other instances where, where they were serious scoring chances for the Colorado Avalanche. And Calum Talbot was Johnny on the spot. Um... Well, the second goal was frustrating. It was off the face-off, and it's like, ugh. But that's not, to me, that's not Talbot's fault. Again, poor positioning by Minnesota Wild players on that one. And, of course, losing another gosh darn face-off as well is enough to drive you crazy and shatter the TV screen. But I didn't quite go that far, thankfully. Even though I wanted to, right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um... But just an overall fun, fun night. Shows you what the Wild can do in a big playoff-type situation against a very healthy Colorado team. I mean, this time it's not like you're missing three stars or something. Of course, you're missing one big guy in, in Landis Cog. That's obviously an important player. Sam Gerrard's pretty important as well. But uh, at the end of the day, I mean, <laughs> this, this Wild team did a damn good job generally speaking, and Cam Talbot made the saves that really that really good goalies make in tough situations. Uh, put it this way, if it was Devin Dubnik there, I think the Wild would have lost this one 5-2, to 5-2, to 5-1, to 5-2, to we'll say, at the end of the day. Wouldn't have been a pretty night, I don't think, but um, Cam Talbot absolutely standing on his head, doing a great job, and again, Minnesota Wild defensive and uh, physical forwards getting the job done. Delorier and Middleton, obviously valuable in that sense. The strange thing, very early, that frustrated some people, this was actually in the Columbus game, was when Foligno jumped out in a fight right away. That kind of made some people frustrated, thinking, okay, you brought in Delorier to help with that, and then you get a fight right away. So that was a little odd. Uh, that was, of course, in the Columbus game, so getting behind myself a little bit rather than ahead. 
at the end of the day. <clears throat> so that was the one frustrating instance during the course of this week. You could say is Felino still kind of jumping in fights very quickly, early and often, so to speak, at times. Maybe the guys talked about that behind the scenes, saying, yeah, let's kind of move off of that if we can. Um, nope, that was not even Columbus. That was Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> the Vancouver game. Yeah, that was an interesting, funny situation. Yeah, I was like thinking that wasn't Columbus either. So, uh, it, still, you know, it's... Yeah, it was Jen. Luke Jen. <laughs> Luke Jen and Valido. It was like right out of the gate. And he basically said he wanted to do that to kind of get things, to get the blood going. Which is like, okay, I guess. It wasn't even, there wasn't even a reason for the fight. It wasn't like there was some previous hit or something in an earlier game or something early on that wanted to get that uh, frustrated Felino Because it was pretty much right out of the gate, Luke Shen and Felino. I guess both of them wanted to get the blood flowing. And I guess I guess it helped, even though Felino had literally nothing in the game. Neither did Luke Shen. Uh, Luke Shen was a minus one at the end of the day. But that was the one frustration that a lot of Wild fans had at the end of that game. With that said, I'm going to pass out the award for the week. Might as well get on to segment number two because we have another major, major uh, fan interaction segment, so I better make room for that, of course, because i gotta, <laughs> got to get my butt to work at some point here at the end of the day. Uh, the Mike Madonna Award winner for this episode, it's got to be Camp Talbot. What an unbelievable job he's done. Perfect way to respond in this situation. Rather than getting mad, he got even. You know, he's getting even in a sense of like, hey, um, I'm more than I'm a more than capable starting goalie still, so I'm going to keep showing you what I can do, and well, he's getting even in a in a, in a good way. Uh, the James Strepper Memorial, I don't know. I mean, Goligoski's been invisible this and that, yet he still signs the contract. That still seems strange, but most of what GM Bill Guerin, as we like to call him, has done has made a lot of sense, even though it didn't make sense at first to some of us. Like, why would you bring in this guy? Why would you give up a third-round pick for DeLaurier? What are you doing? That's like Chuck Fletcher, you know, going after Poe or something for a third-round pick. That's like uh, Dumpster Duck, you know, just, you know, Chris Diamond. What what the hell is that? Well, maybe this time it actually makes sense, and it seems to, because not only are these guys big and tough, but they bring in the right attitude. That's the huge part. That's the huge part. You bring in the right attitude, and it message, uh, meshes really nicely. Uh, there's not really much of a James Shepard memorial other than maybe Tyson Jost. Jost, pardon me, he's not doing a whole lot. I'm not seeing anything out of Tyson Jost. He's been completely invisible. I'm not bashing him. I just I just don't see much going on. Maybe I'm an ignorant schmuck when I say that, but uh, so far I haven't seen a whole lot out of Tyson Jost. Uh, hopefully I'll see more, and I apologize in advance if you're about ready to bite my head off when you listen to this. With that, we'll take a quick break, and we'll preview some of the games and talk more about the prospects the NCAA tournament. Here on Brave the Wild, segment number two, we're going to preview the games very quickly. Try not to babble too much. Minnesota Wild will play the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight, March the 31st. We're wrapping up the month of March and heading into April, and it's still kind of cold out, but that's Minnesota. You know, it's not going to be warm in March and April, but occasionally we have nice stretches. There I go babbling again. Third place in the Metropolitan Division, 40, 18, and 10. 10 overtime losses. 
Well, that's not going to spell well in the playoffs, is it? Because there's no overtime losses in the playoffs. You don't get a point. You just lose. You're done, Pittsburgh. Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> State of Hoppy, of course, that was his first team because the Minnesota North Stars had moved away and the Wild didn't exist yet. Pittsburgh Penguins, though, are you kidding me, man? No, I'm, just, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. They were fun to watch, Lemieux, and God, I loved Lemieux back in the day. Oh, so, no, I don't blame him for liking the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't particularly like this team as much, but okay, I'll stop. Somebody named Jason Zucker. Oh, Jason Zucker. He might come back. We'll see. But he's been out since January. Core muscle injury. But talk was that he could be coming back. Core muscle injury. Sounds like a Joe Maurer special. Lower body. Okay, it's not that bad. Nathan Bialou. Bialou. <laughs> Bialou, I guess. Bialou. Lower body injury, March the 4th. Brock McGinn. Household name, right? Upper body injury left the game on March the 11th. Jake Gensel with 31 goals on the season, despite missing a little time early on, because he tends to do that very often. One thing Pittsburgh Penguins do extremely well is, other than another couple things, they're number one in the league in staying out of the penalty box. In fact, 200 points less, 240 less PIMS. Okay, I'm just kidding. Penalty minutes than the Minnesota Wild. I'd rather say penalty minutes. They're eighth in goals, while they're fourth. They are fourth in goals against. Good goaltending in Pittsburgh at the moment. Assist is what it is. Wild and Penguins are almost tied there. Uh, their power play is 13th, so they're kind of middle of the road. Wilder 19th. Penalty kill is second in the National Hockey League, almost 86%. That's extremely good. Uh, wow. Minnesota Wild did defeat the Pittsburgh Penguins in the shootout much earlier in the season. 5-4 to four victory. Minnesota Wild 5-0 and in our last 5 and 7-0 and in our last 7. Penguins 2-3 and three in their last 5. Losing five, oh no, beating Columbus five to one, losing at Buffalo four to three, huh? Then losing at New York Rangers five to one, eleven to one, demolition, mockery, kick the crap out of them, Detroit Red Wings eleven to two, eleven to two. Ay yeah, yeah, you don't even see that in college hockey, eleven to two. Please tell me that's a typo. How, how does this happen? Ricard Raquel, former Anaheim Duck. Nice addition, Pittsburgh. Nice addition. Pittsburgh, Ricard Raquel, love it. A little on the expensive side, but damn good player. And, of course, the whole thing is blank, but, yeah, it's stupid. Dylan Larkin had his 28th goal in the game. I'm sure he was really happy about everything. Thrilled to get two goals against... <laughs> well, the Penguins lost to the Rangers again, 3-2 to two most recently. Well, could and should be able to beat this team, but... Uh, I don't know. Pittsburgh's really good, too. <laughs> They're damn good. <clears throat> the goaltending situation, obviously, they've been... Uh, well, Tristan Jari's been awesome. Jari, right? Tristan Jari's been really good. Casey DeSmith, because obviously Andy Murray's now with the Ottawa Senators. Casey DeSmith's a backup. He is what he is. About three goals a game, six and four on the season. Save percentage about 90, but he has two shutouts on the year. Tristan Jari has four shutouts on the season. 2.33 goals against average. Save percentage about 92. Sid... The not-so-much-kid anymore. Said the 35-year-old guy. <laughs> 70 points on the season. Jake the Snake Genzel. Actually, it was last year that he missed a ton of time. He missed it just a little bit this year. But I remember, though, because he was on the Fantasy Club. Um, 31 clubs. Jake the Snake has been absolutely wonderful. We all know Minnesota ties. Mike Genzel, of course, longtime assistant coach with the Gophers, assistant head coach. This is his son. He's been a wonderful NHL player. Wonderful surprise. Gophers could have used him. Uh, but uh, nice, solid club in Pittsburgh overall. 
I don't think they win the cup this year or anything, but I guess you never know. I think Minnesota takes care of business. Penguins haven't been playing all that great. I've just got a good feeling that the boy will take care of the Penguins somehow, some way. Four to two victory. I want to see Mark Andre Fleury in this game. I think he is going to be. I think that'd be really cool. Pittsburgh and Minnesota. Mark Andre Fleury. Maybe Fleury goes back to Pittsburgh as a backup next year. There's even rumors about that, depending on how things go in the offseason and how much Minnesota is able to offer or someone else offers him. Who knows what's going to happen. Maybe the Wild win the Cup or something and Fleury is a statue outside external Center Center next to uh, Kirill Kaprizov someday. Um, but I think the Wild win 4-2. to two. Most likely got to score in the game. Who else? Kirill Kaprizov is going to score against Pittsburgh. Goal number 38 at the very least for Minnesota. Let's move because I have to. Next game will be the Carolina Hurricanes. Ooh. <laughs> Schedule doesn't get a whole lot easier, does it? Happy April, guys. <laughs> April the 2nd, Saturday at North Carolina in PNC Arena. I believe this is Rally. Jesperi Kotkanamia. I think I'm mispronouncing it like Sid Hartman. Undisclosed injury. Thank you for sharing. March the 29th. Ethan Bear. Lower body injury. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> March the 28th. Jordan Martin Nook. Martin Ook. Martin Nook. <laughs> Pardon me. Undisclosed injury. Thank you for sharing. March 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Maybe he broke a glass over his arm or something. I don't know. Who knows? I don't even want to know at this point. But it's undisclosed. It's, it's a mystery, folks. Number one in the league in goals against. Unbelievable job by Frederick Anderson after leaving Toronto. Kind of like Jacob Markstrom going from the mediocre at the time, halfway decent Vancouver Canucks going to a Calgary team with a, you know, well, yeah, it wasn't, let's just say it wasn't Bruce Boudreau in Vancouver yet. It wasn't necessarily a bad coach, but not as good as Boudreau, I suppose. And to an extremely good coach. And Daryl Sutter, Daryl Sutter in uh, Calgary. Markstrom might be the best goalie in the league right now, other than Frederick Anderson, I suppose. Frederick Anderson heading to Carolina, which is a outstanding hockey club. Minnesota Wild had a postponement earlier in the season. We beat Carolina three to two, like about a month or two ago. Three to two win over Carolina. Unfortunately, I do not see this being a sweep. And how many years ago? It would have been 15 years ago. I put. Yeah, I put a certain cat to sleep on that day. That was very sad. April the 2nd, 15-year anniversary. I don't think the Wild beat the Carolina Hurricanes. Number one in the Met and pretty much about as good a team as you'll see in the Eastern Conference other than the Florida Panthers and Tampa Bay Lightning. I think the Carolina Hurricanes take care of Minnesota. 3-2, to two, kind of returning the favor at the end of the day. Most likely got a score. Let's go with Ryan Hartman. But I don't see the Wild defeating the Carolina Hurricanes, unfortunately. Frederick Anderson, let's go over this real quick here. Just a, just above two goals a game, almost 93% save percentage. Again, he is the Jacob Markstrom of the he is the Jacob Markstrom of the Eastern Conference. Let's just leave it at that. Three shutouts. Sebastian Aho, absolutely great season. 66 points, 30 goals. Shvechkinov, at least I can pronounce that correctly. 58 points on the season, 25 goals. Nino Niederreiter, 21 goals in the year. He's third in the year, third on the team in, in uh Third on the team in, his, in goals, pardon me. Trevo Terevenin with 50. Tevu Terevenin, I mispronounced that, with 54 points on the season. Absolutely love the top guys in the state. Vincent Trachek, former Florida Panther. Nice addition to Carolina. Ian Cole, 18 points. Nice job, Ian. Ian Cole, former Minnesota Wild. Big shots defenseman. 
Obviously not a star, but a big boy. Uh, Carolina is 3-2 and two in their last five, playing an insanely tough schedule, and they still come out with a winning record. I'm telling you, Carolina could win the Stanley Cup this year. Yes, uh, they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, that team. That's won back-to-back cups already. 3-2 to two over Tampa in Carolina, or North Carolina. They lose to Dallas 4-3. to three. All right. A couple of days later, beat St. Louis in St. Louis 7-2. to two. Wow. I'm sure those St. Louis fans felt really good about that. Why? Carolina kicked their butts. They head to Washington, does Carolina. Two days later, 6-1 to one victory in Washington in the capital. Wow. And then a loss 4-3 to three to Tampa. But, man, a schedule like that, and you come out with a winning record and kick a couple of teams' butts in the process. Impressive. Uh, the best penalty kill in the league resides in Carolina as well, North Carolina. Very impressive job by the Carolina Hurricanes. As we'll now digress where we need to go. We get to play those same Washington Capitals with uh, guys moving up the charts and total goals throughout his career and all that. He's had an amazing career, obviously. Alex Ovechkin heading to the nation's capital. This could be a two-game losing streak. Nick Dowd with an upper body injury left the game on the 18th of March. Trevor ran Rimsdick with a uh, also upper body injury left the game on March 18th. <laughs> Not a happy day for those guys. Joe Snively <laughs> upper body injury March the 1st. Yeah. Alex Ovechkin with oh, let's call it uh, Washington only 10 goals on the season. 16th and 14th for goals against for Minnesota and Washington. Sixth in penalty minutes. They're 12th in the penalty kill, 20th on the power play. Minnesota beat Washington 2-0 in the shootout. It was a 4-3-2 overall game, but beat Washington earlier in the season. Earlier in the season. Um, Washington 2-3 and three in their last five. Not playing as well as, say, the Carolina Hurricanes or Minnesota with our seven-game win streak, but I got a crappy feeling in this one. We'll get back to it shortly. Washington 3-2 lost to Dallas. 5-2 lost to St. Louis. Ouch. They beat Buffalo 4-3 in Buffalo. Beat New Jersey 4-3 at home. And crushed by Carolina 6-1. Most recently, this one will be in the nation's capital. I do think the Capitals win, unfortunately. You think I'm cheering for that? I don't even like the Washington Capitals. In fact, I was furious when they beat the uh, <laughs> Vegas Golden Knights a few years back. Ellis uh, Ovechkin, 42 total goals. 78 points on the season. He's the cruel Kaprizov of the Washington Capitals. Yeah. he's the Okay, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I guess he is, right? You're right. Hopefully, uh, Kirill Kaprizov ends up having an Ovechkin-like career, and he's certainly heading in the right direction. We'll just leave it at that. John Carlson, wow, he's having an awesome season. 44 points, 55, or 44 assists, 55 total points. He's having an awesome season. Tom Wilson, not the most popular guy in the world, but he's a good player. He's, you know, kind of like a certain guy who played for Vancouver years back. Uh Evgeny Kuznetsov, uh, Kuznetsov, pardon me, for 65 total points. Uh, Nicholas Baxter has been plagued by injuries since earlier in the season. Now at 35 games, though, he's gotten a little better and better and better. Obviously, he was a valuable center who's been along with Ovechkin for eons and eons and eons, and they won their cup together and all that. Uh, again, missed about the first half of the season. Did Nicholas Backstrom, if I said his name correctly, 26 total points, only six of them goals. Garnet Hathaway, former Calgary Flames. I heard that name about a million times listening to the Fireside podcast. Um, TJ Oshie has missed half of the season, only 20 points. Blah, blah, blah. But I do think Washington beats the Minnesota Wild. They're decent. They're kind of a decent overall team right now. Obviously, they're still dangerous. 
If the Wild beat the Capitals in Washington, I'll feel really good. I'd like to believe we can. It's just, we haven't had a lot of success there. You know, Carolina and Washington are kind of a toughie. Wouldn't be surprised if we lose two in a row in that sense. Washington wins final score 4-3. to 4-3 to three or 4-2, to two, something like that. But 4-3, to three, we'll say. Kirill Kaprizov will score, but the Wild will not win, unfortunately. I wish I could say they will. Nashville Predators, the hated, annoying, pesky Nashville Predators who just don't go away. March the 5th, Tuesday. March the 5th, uh, injuries, personal reasons for Tanner Janot. Uh, <laughs> interesting there. Uh, March the 24th, Dante Fabro, upper body injury. March the 22nd, Mark Bowecki, upper body injury. March the 24th. Nashville's 11th in goals, 20, or excuse me, 12th in goals against. They, uh, they get the most penalty minutes in the league. Wow, 150 more than the Minnesota Wild. They're the worst team in the league about uh, staying out of the box, which is pretty funny. Yet they're 2-0 against Minnesota. It's been pretty ugly, to say the least. 5-2 lost to Nashville earlier in the season, and 6-2 very recently. That game was when everything just felt like it was unraveling. And down we go, and we got to fire Everson already. Boy, he's the coach of the year. He's the greatest ever. We got an extension, and we're going to fire him. Got to fire him now. Bye. And we have the worst goalies ever. Uh, this and that. I mean, it was... Boy, it's amazing how up and down we can get during the course of a season. Heckin. I kind of sort of kept even keel, if you remember correctly, on my shows. I was disappointed, yes, but I wasn't, like, necessarily thinking the sky was falling. But I also was thinking this isn't a cup here. Yeah, definitely not a year to talk about winning any Stanley Cup this and that, and should we start selling? It was always a conversation. I thought the possibility was there, but uh, luckily there was a, a different plan in place, and things have headed in a much better direction. The, <laughs> yeah, And I know, most people are probably just rolling their eyes in. Yeah, Joey, you were ripping them. Uh, kind of. I mean, kind of. I mean, a game like that, who wouldn't rip them? 6-2? to two? Come on, you're better than that. Now we head to Nashville. Ugh, it's not going to be easy. This is not going to be an easy week. But I do think the Wild win this one. It's, it's time to beat this stupid, annoying Nashville team. You know, it, it's time to beat them. I don't care if they're sixth in the league in the power play or not. It's time to beat this club, and I think the Wild do. Uh, they have maybe the best defenseman on the planet, just about. He's, he's one of the best. Obviously, there's some phenomenal defensemen like Makar and such. And then there's Roman Yossi. It's been unbelievable. Roman Yossi, 81 points on the season. For a defenseman, folks, 63 points. Only 23 of them are power play. That's weird. Uh, power play assists, but eight power play goals. Wow, that's crazy. Matt Duchesne, who could drive you nuts, having an awesome season. 68 points. Philip Forsberg, 66 points. He'll drive you absolutely crazy. This guy named Michael Gron My Michael Greenland. No, I'm just kidding. Mikhail Gronland or Gronland, Gronland, Granland. <laughs> 50 points, only nine goals on the season because that's Mikhail Gronland. Ryan Johansson, he's the one who had that really annoying power uh, shootout goal against the Wild. A couple of them, actually, in back-to-back -back games. I think that was last year or two years ago. Drove everybody absolutely nuts. Pissed us all off. Um... Saros has been pretty good in net. Goosey Saros, 2.55. Not great, but pretty good. He's, he's a good goalie. He's better than uh, Pekka Rene was most of the time, actually. Rene, it felt like every year, like, okay, he's done. And then he'd jump up again, and he had that amazing season, taking Nashville all the way to the cup final, only to lose to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then the next year, Nashville was freaking great, and they got beaten the first round. <laughs> Isn't that how it works? You know? <laughs> they had the best record. They had the President's Trophy. Yeah, but that's the President's Trophy for you. 92 save percentage with three shutouts for 
Jose, uh, Jose Soros. But I think the Wild win this one. I think I'm going to go with 5-3. It's going to be high scoring. Minnesota Wild get the job done. Marcus Foligno scores a goal in the game. Kevin Fiala actually will get two. Kevin Fiala, two goals in the game. Minnesota Wild defeat the National Predators 5-3. to three. High scoring, fun game, but the Minnesota Wild get the job done. They frustrate this team and get score a couple of power play goals. At least one of them will be from Kevin Fiala at the end of the day. Kevin Fiala, two goals versus the National Predators. With that, let's get to the prospects a bit. And, of course, the NCAA tournament, this and that. Uh, Sam Hentges had a goal in the one game that uh, <laughs> the, the poor uh, uh, State Cloud State Huskies played, but they ended up losing to the Quinnipiac uh, Lions, I believe they're called. Yeah, they're the yep, Quinnipiac Cats. Yeah, beautiful team, right? Gotta love Quinnipiac. Uh, they're the Tigers. I apologize for that. I knew their name about a million times over, but I'm getting all these programs mixed up. Quinnipiac, though, I've been a fan of theirs for a while. Just because they're not North Dakota, they're not Denver, they're not St. Coast, sorry, <clears throat> they're not North Dakota, they're not Denver. <clears throat> yeah, that's kind of what I like about Quinnipiac, and Sam Honest came from there. Loved Sam Honest so much. Phenomenal college player, even better AHL player, but not an NHL player, unfortunately. Minnesota Duluth, a dynasty uh, in college hockey. Almost won it all again last year, ended up losing in the Frozen Four to UMass wound up winning it all. Was the only non-Minnesota team in the Frozen Four last year. And UMass won. Surprise. <laughs> it was so funny. They shut out for St. Cloud. Bob Moscow's former club, of course. Freaking Denver Pioneers, this and that. So now I'm kind of going to the NCAA tournament already. Apologize. But uh, Pert and Sam Hentges eliminated in the first round. I'll go to the other juniors and come back to the uh, NCAA tournament. I'm distracting myself already. Of course, you got Iowa as well. Let's get to them actually very first here. Vladislav, first off, getting signed by the Iowa Wild. His college career has ended, and he's coming to the Iowa Wild. Good for him after his junior year. Welcome to Iowa, and hopefully things get rolling in the right direction for him. One game, no points so far. Things have really quieted down in, in Iowa. They've not been playing well, except for Mitchell Chaffee, who's been fantastic. He was actually Player of the Week for MNW Prospects slash Young Guns. Doing very well. Kalen Addison's been quietly picking up the points, trying to inch himself closer and closer to regular NHL time, but just hasn't done that yet. 23 points in 29 games for him. But it's not been a fun go in Iowa lately. They have not been playing that well. Uh, nobody's been standing out like they were earlier in the season. Other than, again, pretty much uh, Adam Beckman's been picking it up. He'd been super quiet forever after a cute little start to the year. He's now at 9 goals, 19 assists, 29 total points, but he's still a minus 7 on the season in 54 games. Mitchell Chaffee, again, nice college free agent. We'll see if he can break his way out of Iowa. He's still only 23 out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Still got a chance. Burnsville native Nick Sweeney, a whole point ahead of him, but in, in 12 more games so far for the former Duluth uh, Bulldog, part of that dynasty there. Multiple national championships for him in Nick Sweeney's case. Amazing college career. No question about it. Mason Shaw has been quietly picking up points, but generally still kind of uh, still at the uh, AHL level. Not an NHL guy. McIntyre's dropped off a little bit after a really strong run. And Derek Barabo has not been all that great, generally speaking, in Iowa. Not as good as last year, we'll say. So we'll start to move forward now into other prospects, but nice to have Vladislav Firstov now on Iowa. Hunter Jones is back in the ECHL and has 
back to goals against averages in the fours. Uh, yeah, save percentage 88. 88. Save percentage 88. Need I say more? That's uh, really frustrating. It's disappointing. Jack asked, I mean, Jack McBain's been with Arizona, but nothing's going on so far. Sorry, I had to say it. That just frustrated me. But hey, thanks for the second round pick. That helped us uh, have some uh, insurance for an, an extra second round pick, per se, because we you know we got to give up a second round pick to get this certain goalie. So McBain for uh, Fleury doesn't sound so bad indirectly, but an indirect uh, McBain for Fleury type of move there at the end of the day. Guys like Pavel Novak, yep. oh, what a nice season. 63 points, 25 total goals in 54 games for Kelowna of the WHL. Damon Hunt might be my favorite defenseman in the whole system because he can score goals. He's a powerful guy, uses his whole body, and he's from Calgary. I like Calgary. You know, <laughs> Damon Hunt, if you don't play for Minnesota, play for Calgary, but we'll keep you here instead of Calgary for now. <laughs> Moose Jaw Warriors hopefully stays in Minnesota and has a hell of a career here. Plus 14 on the season. Wonderful year for Damon Hunt. Ryan O'Rourke, just Mr. Intangible, Mr. Valuable, and obviously a star in the OHL, but I think can be a very valuable NHL and at very least AHL player for the moment coming up very soon here. Uh, 38 points in 46 games for Ryan O'Rourke at the uh, OHL level. Nate Benmo already talked about him. No points in 11 games for Omaha after getting 6-39 and 39 for Tri-City. Left shot defenseman. Just a kind of a stay-at-home guy and doesn't do a whole lot else at the end of the day. He'll get a couple of assists here and there. Like maybe a point. He was at a point-a-week clip for a little while there, and ever since, not so much. Josh Pilar, ever since about, gosh, January-ish? I don't know what happened. He was so good. He was tearing up the WHL. And not long after that, traded to the Saskatoon Blades about a month ago, and Four points in 14 games, only one goal in 14 games. Oh, boy. Hopefully Josh can get things rolling again because it's been an ugly, ugly two months or so for Josh Pilar. What the hell, man? Kyle Masters, 14 total points in 59 games. Again, more of a stay-at-home guy, and he's a right-shot defenseman. Might be a good uh, third-pairing type of guy in the NHL. We'll see. Maybe he'll never play with the Wild to get traded or something. Who knows? Canadian Bancure. He's definitely been better than Josh Pilar, but not that good either. He's dropped off significantly. I don't know what's happened to a lot of these guys. They're just done scoring, I guess. They just stopped. It's like, they, oh, it's February. We're not going to score anymore. We're done. And Pert, obviously, up. His season is over. Carson Lambos, pretty damn good. 10 goals in 45 games. 30, uh, 42 overall points. Physical, tough guy with a plus 36 for the Winnipeg guys. Can't wait to see what he can do at the next level. Really wonderful left shot defenseman. Could be a number one pairing someday for Minnesota on the left side. And that job is there very soon, possibly. Well, uh, it's between him and Brodeen, and he could be a top four guy for sure. Jasper Wallstadt's definitely picked it up ever since that icky uh, little run there. Save percentage about 92. Goals against average under two. He's 12-10 and 10 in the Swedish Hockey League, though. Obviously, he had a good season over there. Let's get to the NCAA tournament. For the sake of time, better get moving. Could be a long uh, <laughs> fan interaction segment coming up, so I better move. Michigan beat American International 5-3 and toyed around with Quinnipiac 7-4. They get to the Frozen 4. Michigan, unfortunately, could be the overall favorite here. And, uh, they beat the Govers in the Big Ten Championship like I talked about I think that was two weeks ago. Yeah, that was two weeks ago. And then last week we talked a tiny bit about the NCAA tournament. Me and Derek, what a fun show. 
I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we had a good time on that one. Enjoyed the hell out of it, honestly. Uh, Denver beat uh, UMass Lowell 3-2 to two, and then was able to get past Minnesota Duluth in a very low-scoring game. 2-1 to one to Denver and Michigan. Doesn't get much better than that on the other side of the semifinal there in the Frozen Four. Doesn't get a whole lot better. The freaking Minnesota State Mavericks, yeah, they beat the they beat Harvard, yes, yeah, Sebastian. They beat Harvard, and they shut out Notre Dame one to nothing. And about as <laughs> about as grinded out hockey as it gets. Uh, guys blocking shots, getting the job done. Notre Dame is phenomenal at that. They win everything two to one, like they did against North Dakota the week before, or the not the week, two days earlier. Pardon me, in the, uh, the region semifinal, they beat uh, number two North Dakota, not number two in the country, but in the region, two to one. In that one. I thought maybe they just might knock out Minnesota State, but I got to be careful what I wish for in that case. Either Minnesota State or Notre Dame could be a headache for Minnesota. Notre Dame has recently knocked the Gophers out of the tournament, so it's not impossible for that to happen. Minnesota State has knocked the Gophers out very recently. In fact, just last season in the region final, they knocked the Gophers out pretty badly. What was it? 5 nothing? And Sebastian let me know uh, how much better the Mavericks were than the Gophers. <laughs> <laughs> Number one team in this region, the final region anyway, Western Michigan squeezed past Northeastern. Somebody called Northeastern 2-1, to one, which didn't uh, bode well for them coming up against a Minnesota club who had just overcome a 2-0 to, two to nothing and 3-1 to one deficit versus the UMass uh, Amherst club that had just won a national championship last year. Shutting out St. Cloud State with uh, a goalie I thought I liked until he went to Pittsburgh because he demanded a trade basically, or no, he just left as a free agent. <sighs> oh, that was too bad, but it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, the Gophers able to survive, make a nice comeback in that third period and get the job done, scoring late to tie it up and then win in overtime. Absolutely huge thrill, and then the Gophers completely dominate Western Michigan. Uh, Western Michigan thought it tie they had tied it up in the second period, but thankfully it was an offside, and the Gophers survived that and wind up with a shutout. Justin Close, after a not-so-good start to his NCAA tournament career, of course, this might be his only uh, couple games here. <laughs> this might be his only, his only three or four games here in the NCAA tournament, but awesome run for him as he'd been the backup goalie for the Gophers. He's been a savior for Minnesota after Jack LaFontaine was signed with the Carolina Hurricanes. Minnesota pretty much dominates Western Michigan 3 to nothing. And reached our first Frozen Four since 2014 when we made it to the championship game only to get beaten by freaking Union after taking a 1-0 lead, a 2-1 lead, and then Union scored four goals in a row. It was 5-2. Gophers tried to start to start coming back, and then Union tacked on two more goals. And uh, I was depressed and pissed off at the same time. And now you have a Frozen Four of Michigan versus Denver. Holy crap. And Minnesota versus Minnesota State. The top five teams in the country all in the Frozen Four, and many people would argue the top four teams in the country are in the Frozen Four. Most people would agree that Western Michigan shouldn't have been the fourth seed, should have been Minnesota, but it is what it is. And here are your top four teams in the country all facing off in the Frozen Four. Both Minnesota clubs facing off against each other. <laughs> Not a big Mavericks fan for you know many reasons. They have given the Gophers hell the past three to five years. Sebastian loves it. They, uh, this is as far as Minnesota State has gotten though so far. Last year they were beaten in the semifinal. Hopefully they're beaten again. We'll see what happens. Uh, ben Myers, is he going to be a college free agent coming to Minnesota? Talk is he, Minnesota Wild are the favorites to land Ben Myers, who's been 
unbelievable for the Minnesota Gophers. He's the captain. He's been fantastic, and he is a Bill Guerin type of guy. I can just see it. His style of play, his leadership, his character, he would fit right in with the Minnesota Wild long term, and I'd love to have Ben Myers in Minnesota. Uh, college free agent, didn't get drafted. Could end up being something special. Justin Close might even be an interesting free agent, and of course the Minnesota State goaltender, Dryden McKay, who everybody adores. He's a college free agent. <laughs> wow, that would be an interesting signing, coming to Minnesota or anywhere out there, but Anybody that wins this national championship this year will have freaking earned it because when you consider who you're going to have to beat, you know, you're going to have to beat two of these teams to win a national championship. Two out of these four teams you're going to have to beat. A Michigan, a Denver, a Minnesota State, or a Minnesota to win the national title. It's unbelievable. The Gophers somehow beat Minnesota State and then beat Michigan, freaking Michigan or freaking Denver, who've won like nine national championship sheets, and they look very much capable of winning their 10th or whatever, you know, whatever the real number is. But it's pretty much right about nine and 10 ish, right around there with them. It'll be an unbelievable accomplishment. In fact, in my lifetime, I would say this is the greatest accomplishment in the history of the Gophers program if they are able to win the national championship against these teams. Uh, Minnesota State Mavericks, they are Minnesota State Mankato, anyway. They are the number one team in the country. Michigan and Denver, 2-3. And McGovers are fourth or uh, fifth. I guess they call them fifth, but I consider them fourth. And they are now after beating uh, Western Michigan. They are the fourth-seeded fourth, fourth team right now, no doubt about that. But we're fourth. We're not seventh. We're not 19th. We're not 13th. We're not that big of a Cinderella finalist. We deserve to be where we are right now. And I'm saying them we because they are the Gophers. I apologize. I don't want to get too we-ish necessarily since there's like a million people from Minnesota that cheer for a different club. Ugh. Minnesota State, Mankato, Minnesota Duluth, St. Cloud State, Bemidji State, who I'm okay with because they don't, yeah, they haven't driven me too crazy yet. Um, St. Thomas, which is just kind of coming around. Good for them. <laughs> uh, very rich history, obviously, throughout all these clubs. Heck, Michigan Tech made the uh, tournament this year, but Minnesota Duluth dispatched them very quickly, 3 to nothing. Michigan Tech, remember them? Yeah. They've actually finally gotten good again, as they were a huge nemesis for the Gophers in the 70s. And then into the 80s and 90s, they kept getting more and more mediocre, and they had some terrible seasons in the 2000s, and now they're kind of good again. I'm I'm actually happy about that, because they're in that, was it Houghton, Michigan? Kind of cool. I kind of like the, the location, because it's, you know, it's different. Uh, Michigan is a heck of a college, uh, Michigan's a heck of a hockey state as well. Obviously, Detroit Red Wings, hello. But again, Michigan, Michigan State of national championships, Michigan Tech, you know, wow. And then Western Michigan's pretty good. But this is a, as far as Western Michigan's ever gotten. They've never, they've gotten to the Elite Eight twice, only to lose, unfortunately for them. Uh, with that said, let's uh, take a quick break and get to fan interaction right after this. We are back here on Brave the Wild, segment number three, fan interaction segment. Super duper quick, and I better get moving. Please go jump on Vigit. Get on your Apple or Android device. Go to the uh, Play Store or Google Store, whatever the heck they call it, and download the Vigit app, V-I-G-I-T. It is 
It's obviously two separate words. It is basically fantasy betting. Uh, it's an app, of course. Social media for sports bettors. You can post about your picks, see what others are saying about games. Vigit Betting League's a month-long betting competition to see who the best sports better is over the course of a month. Free-to-play sportsbook, bet-free coins, win real prizes. Betting stats, there's great information available on the Vigit Lifeline movement where the public is betting. Again, this is not real money wagering. It is fantasy betting, but you can also use it as a cheat sheet as well to look at all the different lines and such and uh, point spreads and all that good stuff. But it's fun to kind of compete against each other to see who can get it done. Um, you could be the Will Riker, right? William Riker would beat everybody in poker and such in that sense. <laughs> um, the other thing I'd like to get to, Crypto.com. It is an app, but I, I guess there's a website too, but it's mostly an app though, on Apple and Android devices. You can trade cryptocurrency on there. It's a lot of fun to do. Uh, you're not guaranteed to win, just like E-Trade and stock markets and all that. There's no guarantee to anything in this world. Real estate wasn't a guarantee, was it? Most people thought it was. It certainly wasn't in the mid-2000s. Now was it? <laughs> With that said, uh, there is a link in the show description. Click on that. It'll show that I referred you. It'll put $25 in your account. And will also help out this show, so it would be great. Uh, happy trading. Happy trading when it comes to crypto.com. Okay, let's get right to it. At Brave the Wild, at Brave the Wild. Hashtag BTWMN is the way to go. That way I can organize everything in chronological order and we can get rolling, which would be great. It's going to be pretty busy. We have the lightning round, the return of the lightning round with Tom Hay, we'll get to that very shortly. I probably didn't need to post this one because it's, yeah, I'm getting enough fan interaction. Why did I go to this one? And I should have just turned it into a poll rather than have people respond to it. That's where I blew it. North Star's logo, first player you think of when you see this logo. I'll just try to zip through it real quick. <laughs> Northwest Bank, according to Brian Herrera. Danny Grant, according to Tom Hay. And Madonna, according to Sebastian Blackspace. Gilly's most, uh, Malash, cool. Yeah, maybe MVP. JJ Jungles, maybe you don't have to read the names. Uh, Dino Cicerelli, Neil Brunton, Mike Madonna, Bobby Smith, Neil Brunton, 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 Dino, 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 <laughs> Mike Madonna, Mark Tenorti, Chris Tyson, cool. Basil McRae, yep, <laughs> Neil Brunton, Gilles Malesh, Cesar Maniago, yeah, there's a really old goalie back in the day, Neil Brunton, Bill Goldsworthy, according to Kirby Wilcox, cool. So I guess that wasn't that hard. Uh, fun listening to all those classic, classic names. Bill Goldsworthy was the all-time winning goal scorer for many years for the North Stars um, until Neil Brodden kind of took over that. But Goldsworthy, great career, unfortunately died young of AIDS. Um, I was putting, hmm, a bit surprised with the uh, Alex Goligoski. Derek Felska, this was a good idea. See, this is what I direction I should have gone about the uh, North Star thing, but I suppose that way people could say any name. So polls, they only let you put up to four. Uh, Derek asks, was signing Alex Goligoski to a Alex Goligoski to a two-year extension at two million cap had a mistake? Yes, no, or who cares? Apparently, no. Forty-nine point three percent wins. Forty percent goes to yes. I actually voted yes. It's kind of a mistake, but not really. Uh, and then, who cares? It's ten point seven percent. Well, quite a few votes for that one. Nice to see that. Um, yeah, let's just say both me and Derek would vote, both voted yes. I don't mean to speak for you, Derek, but uh, yeah, I think both of us voted yes in that one. Derek was saying, got a question on your mind? Just tag your questions and ask as many as you wish. Yep, thank you very much for a minute. Uh, brave the wild there. And then the lighting round begins. See, this one doesn't show... Yeah, I'll read this here. I don't know. Yeah, see, unfortunately, this one isn't going to have the BTW man, so I'll read it now. Brian Herrera says, uh, with Krill's recent goal-scoring streak, it has me thinking, how many more games... Do you think it'll take to have him break Gabby's season goal record? I'm thinking 10 max. 
Probably about that, yeah. Probably about that, and I think he's going to. I think he's going to, what does he have, 37? And Gabby had 42, right? I think he had 42, right? Yeah, and, he, and then uh, Eric Stahl had 42, if I remember correctly. I think they both did. Um, because the 43, that was William Carlson. That same year with Vegas. We'll get to that landing round coming up very shortly. Derek continues things rolling forward again at Crease and Assist, and he is the voice you heard on this show last week. Wasn't he fantastic? Wasn't he fantastic? Uh, he was awesome. Um, he was awesome. Uh-oh, and of course Derek, and I think Derek and Tom Han bring this up. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not a big fan of Hollywood. I'll just leave it at that. I don't mean to be such a jerk about it. I just, I don't like Hollywood at all. They, they give me the, they just give me a really bad vibe these days. <clears throat> Derek says, with that all said, the former fresh, fresh Prince of Bel-Air made headlines for a slap of Chris Rock at the Oscars. Have there been any spontaneous moments in Minnesota Wilder NHL history that you feel completely surprised? People much in the same way. Name three of those moments. I think the whole, mo what was it, uh, Thachuk and Dumba ultimately having the torn pectoral, that was a bit of a surprise and crazy a bit. Um, of course, there's other more uh, more funny moments here and there. Um, <clears throat> I don't have super thing like right at the top of my head, but obviously there were some funny moments. Uh, one that I kind of liked was Jacques Lemaire. I can't remember. He was a big-name player. I think it was a Colorado years ago. He was kind of going at it with the guy, and then all of a sudden he said, F off. Like, but he said the whole word, and you could read it just the way... He, I just don't imagine Jacques Lemaire saying all of that, but I, I guess he did. It was just kind of funny. I suppose he's probably a lot more vulgar than I would have guessed, particularly back then. Um, three of those moments. Things that would kind of surprise you. Crazy things out of nowhere. Uh, how about that stupid Devin Zetaguchi tripping on a... on a? He tripped all by himself. All by himself. Now, far be it from me. I can't skate. Right? 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 I can't skate. But, what was it? Devin said Gucci, right? He trips on a on a shootout play. Or was it a penalty shot? It, it, was, it was a shootout. He trips. That's all, That just summed it all up with Devin said Gucci. I think that was a surprising, spontaneous moment. Uh, and, what's his name? Um, Bruce Boudreaux. Basically, kind of almost, in a way, kind of almost like a casual bleep ute back to uh, his, his buddy, his good friend, Paul Fenton. Yeah, right. Uh, putting Victor Rask in the shootout. That was kind of a spontaneous thing that was a little surprising as well. Like, Victor Rask in the shootout? And that was kind of like, yeah, this is the guy you give us to, to save our franchise for some reason? Here you go. Here he is. And it was another super embarrassing moment. So I'll probably go with those three, if I can. <laughs> Eric Derek Felska says, Have you ever played the NES game Rygar? And if so, what did you think of it? I played it a little bit, and I, I liked it. It's pretty cool. Um... I don't have a ton of memory of it at the moment, but I, I do remember playing it and liking it. I apologize. If uh, one Minnesota Wild player would be a character in any video game you enjoy and love, who would it be, and what game would they star in? Would they be a hero or a villain? Um, I could imagine Delorier <laughs> as a bad guy in, like, say, Turtles or something. He could be, like, one of those rock soldiers, something like that. Um, or like Gutsman. I always see Marcus Felino as Gutsman, so he'd be like a bad guy, I guess, in Mega Man. Even though you could see him as like a hero in a different game, like a, you know, like, <laughs> like Superman or something, you know. Uh, Spurge could be like a Spider-Man type of thing. Of course, those, now I'm getting into Marvel. That's kind of off the cuff of it. Uh, 
trying to think. Wasn't there uh, John John Merrill could be Mario or Luigi? I mean, he'd be Luigi because he's tall. John Merrill's Luigi. Yep. Hey, he's wearing a green uniform, green jersey. He's got his mustache. John Merrill's Luigi. There you go. So there, there he is. He's a good guy. <laughs> John Merrill's Luigi. Uh, but the way he'd been playing, he'd be a crappy Luigi, right? No, no. He'd, he'd be Luigi regardless if he's good or bad. Uh, so those are some funny ideas right there. <laughs> uh, yeah, Derek shared uh, Justin Bucky. Oh, yeah, and then Derek kind of, yep, Derek shared it. Uh, yep, and Justin said, sorry about that. Yep, there it is, the hashtag BTWMN. Thanks, Derek. So here we go, Justin Bucky of the Sound the Foghorn podcast. Does a great job. And, of course, a big, big, big part of MNW Prospects slash Young Guns. Justin says, where do you see Addison slotting in with the contracts of, of the D-men we have? Do you see Minnesota Wild re-signing Middleton? In your opinion, what has to happen to keep Fiala long-term? Uh, well, like the uh, at the end, their dumbest contract would have to probably be gone, or some other big name guy. There's even talk about if you well, yeah, the way to keep both of them. You can you can keep both Dumba and Fiala, but it would have to be like Brodine or Spurgeon off the books. I don't think they're doing that. Uh, Brodine's the best defenseman, Spurgeon's the second best, and he's the captain. Um, and I see Brodine as a potential uh, alternate captain as well at times, along with uh, Julian Shenak. It's kind of far. It's kind of hard to imagine uh, Middleton getting signed, but for Fiala, yeah, it pretty much has to be Dumba. Would have to be uh, traded away. Dumba, Dumba, and his contract would have to be traded away to keep uh, Fiala. Definitely, I thought just kind of saying goodbye to Goligoski would have helped too. That would have made sense, but I suppose we'd be pretty thin at defense. But it's just I don't know. I, I don't know with how bad Goligoski's been. He provides some offense, and he provides very little defense. So you're giving him $2 million and two more years of commitment. So that kind of bugs me a little bit when it comes to Addison and slotting guys in. It's kind of answering the whole question at once in a lot of ways. Like Middleton as well. Would I rather have Jacob Middleton or at this stage or Alex Goligoski? Probably Middleton, right? It, it kind of is what it is. And I don't know. It could have opened a spot for somebody like an Addison and such one way or another, even though Addison does play on the other side, he's a right shot at the same time. Um, they're going to have to, obviously, Jordy Ben's gone, for sure. Everybody knows that. Jordy Ben, no chance he's coming back. I, I think they trade Merrill or Kulikov. I, I have a feeling the Wild are going to have to do that in order to open things up and kind of change things up, because I don't think Kulikov and Merrill are saving anybody right now. I don't think they're saviors for this franchise in one way or another. I'd rather keep Jacob Middleton than uh, any of those guys, honestly. I think Middleton provides a little bit more at the end of the day, if that uh, answers the question uh, a bit there. Derek Felska says, in a nod to our mutual friends at the Soda Pod, if Minnesota Wild, if the Minnesota Wild were a beer, what would it be? A lager, a pilsner, a porter, a stout, an IPA, an EPA, <coughs> an APA, holy cow. Yeah, yeah, the American Pale Ales or something else. It doesn't have to be a brand. Just describe what kind of beer it would be. Now, before before we got a little tougher, it might have been... <laughs> God, that's really tough. It might have been closer to like a Pilsner or Lager, considering we were a little on the soft side. A little on the soft side, but maybe maybe like Surly Hell. Something like that. Like a really good... Really good, because we were scoring goals and all that, but we were a little on the soft side. Like a Surly Hell. It's a really damn good Lager. Uh, amazing lager. Surely hell, that's probably about as good a lager as you're going to get. Um, but now that we've toughened up a bit, perhaps, depending on what kind of porter or stout we're talking, because porters and stouts can be pretty sweet at times, and they're very good. 
I love porters and stouts, particularly on a cloudy day, dark, dark, rainy day. Just awesome. And it depends on what you eat during the day as well. Uh, EPAs don't do a whole lot for me. APAs, that could be yeah, like a regular pale ale, like uh, uh, Sierra Nevada pale ale. It's freaking good. But um, they're a little tougher now, like an IPA. A good, strong, bitter IPA, like a Surly Furious or a uh, Sierra Nevada Torpedo or something like that. Something stronger. <laughs> something more bitter. Obviously, Surly Furious is extremely bitter. Maybe they're Surly Furious-ish kind of right now with the brand. And I'm throwing it out there just because of how bitter it would be. They're tougher now with the big guys. So we'll go with that direction. That's kind of a cool uh, question. I like that. I like that. <laughs> Maybe certain players in the future. Maybe ask like a certain player or something. <laughs> Derek Felska uh, says, should an NHL general manager worry about angering an agent? <clears throat> Would that be a bigger concern than the feelings of the player? Or is that simply inevitable as part of the business? It's inevitable. At the same time, you don't want to deliberately do it. You don't want to go over the top. Like, you're going to have disagreements. You're going to have this. You're going to have that. They're going to have tense moments. Obviously, you don't want to be like major enemies because that could kill things, particularly if your player happens to be like a Kaprizov or something. I better keep moving. Uh, Brian Herrera says, uh, with Kirill's recent goal-scoring streak, it has me thinking, how many more games do you think it will take for uh, take him to break Gabby's season record? Yep, I read that 10 max. Okay. Uh, Tom says, Tom Han, here's the lightning round. Is Dater the biggest douche... Uh, Douche canoe in all of hockey? Dater. Why am I blanking on that one? Uh, he must be. <laughs> Dater. I'm going to jump back for that one. I apologize. Not sure about Dater. Hmm. I'm probably being a complete idiot now. Um, we'll get to the next one. Uh, Tom Han says, are fans of the snowflakes the most annoying? Yep, that would be the avalanche. The most annoying in all of sport, or is that reserved for Packer fans? They're way up there. I hate the Colorado Avalanche fan base. So I, I don't blame you. They've given me hell in the past. Uh, it was pretty ugly back in that playoff series in 2014. It was ugly. They, they were they were annoying as hell. Chicago, like the team is more annoying because they were just bullies and beat the crap out of us every year. But the fans were, you know, they'd make fun of you a little bit, but then they were there was a different level of class and respect with Chicago fans. I don't mind Chicago fans. Some people absolutely hate them. Something about me and the Bears and Blackhawks, I kind of like those people a little bit. Packers and, and Avalanche are way at the top, Tom. That's why I hate the Denver Nuggets, too, with like the Wolves. So I think you're hitting the nail on the head there. Uh, Tom, yep, here it is. It's a lightning round. Do you suspect Fiala will accept $7 million per to stay with the Wild, or does he does he and his agent strike as wanting to break the bank of his contract? Oh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid they might try to go higher. I pray that they will accept 7 and 7 to 7.5-ish. That's my guess at the end of the day and I hope uh, the Wild are able to pull that off. If not, it is it is what it is. And Fiala gets traded in the, in, in the summer, Tom. Um, I really want Fiala here. I really do, but I do have a crappy feeling that it could head into the 8s and such and then that's probably it. Tom says, what exactly did Addison do to GM Bilgerin in a previous life? Yeah, with all these trades and acquisitions, uh, and signings and contracts that are screwing it up, yeah, for uh, what's-his-name to come back, uh, for uh, Addison to actually have a spot. Um, he must not feel he's ready, but eventually, what the hell? KFN girl responds with, agree, Golgoski, Spurge, Brody, and Dumba, Middleton, Addison, let's go. That's not a bad combination. Uh, that's KFN girl, Jolie Halvey, Halvey, pardon me. Derek says, uh, Spurge and Brody and Middleton, Addison, Kulikov, Merrill fixed it for you. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. 
Ah, okay, yeah, you took Dumba out. I see. Yeah, nice. Nice. Yep. It's probably a good idea there. That's the best way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Tom continues the lightning round. Goligoski will be 38 in the final year of his extension. Does the organization expect him to produce at his current rate during that year? If not, seems like too many years to overpay considering the defensive prospects in the pipeline. I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, I don't think he's going to be good at 38. I, I really don't. I think that was a risky... Not I, I, I don't know. I question the move. Tom says, Do you expect GM Bill Guerin will be able to squeeze a first-rounder out of another GM this summer when he moves Dumba? I think so. I think it's possible. Uh, there have been pretty high demand for guys like, uh, you know, for, for a good, solid right-shot defenseman. So there's a chance. Uh, at least a second-rounder. Uh, which contract, along with a second-round pick, do you think Bill Guerin will move to the squid? That would be the uh, Seattle Kraken, of course, this summer, in order to free up money to sign Fiola. Oh, boy. Mm, which contract, huh? Well, good thing I have this pulled up. Frederick Goudreau. No, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Now, we have already signed Jordan Greenway, $3 million. I'm not sure. Uh, Bukestad won't be back, I don't think. I think there's no chance. DeLaurier, he probably won't be, but you never know. Frederick Goudreau, he's not very expensive, thankfully. I'm not sure. I am not sure. It would probably be Dumba, if anything. It would probably be Dumba, but maybe, maybe Kulikov. Maybe Kulikov, 2.25. That could be the other name. Kulikov, possibly. Would Seattle, would the squid accept that? I'm not sure. Ah, uh, Tom says again, will the league be surprised when the Wild dumps the snowflakes in the second round? Or is it just expected at this point? They'll be surprised a little bit, but I do think the Wild can get the job done. Yeah, I think the Wild can get it done, Tom. So yeah, that's a cool thought there. Tom again says, will we see Bukestad in a wild jersey ever again? Probably not, unless there's an injury or something, but I don't think after this season he comes back. Uh, Derek Felska says, right before he says, let's play hockey, and that's about it. Yep, I think so, Derek. Yep. There, uh, Tom says, is it f physically possible for Walls to speak less during a broadcast? Probably not. <laughs> Between the Vikings' offensive line and twin starting pitching, which organization did the least to address the team's most glaring weaknesses? The least. Uh, twin starting pitching. Twin starting pitching, I think. Well, Vikings' offensive line. What am I talking about? It's Vikings' offensive line. Because, uh, oh, we got Chris Archer, man. And we got Sonny, uh, Sonny Gray, so... What are you talking about, right? It's mediocre additions, hoping uh, Sonny might be good. Archer, they doubt it. We'll see. Cool name, but yeah, not lately. And the offensive line, what did we get? Uh, that Davis guy? So, I don't know. And it, and it wasn't Wyatt. Wyatt needs to play first. So And, of course, we've done nothing at center yet. So I'll go with the Twins barely being better in that case. Uh, Tom says, how is it possible that the state of Michigan doesn't have any defense uh, D1 women's hockey programs? That's a really good question. And I'm not this huge advocate about all that, but yeah, I mean they, they should have a Division One women's hockey. Yes, if if the Gophers do in Michigan and Minnesota and Michigan are, you know, states of hockey and hockey town and this and that and Detroit and all that, they should have a yeah. Michigan should have a D1 team. Yes, I agree. That's weird. Will Smith's actions? Where do you fall? I think the whole thing is stupid and staged, but that's me. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just a conspiracy theorist, but that's how I see it. As I try not to cough to death again. God, I can't stop. I don't know what's going on. 
Tom Haynes says, who in their right mind at ESPN do you think feels that it's a good business practice to put Bookie Gross behind the microphone? <laughs> I'm not sure with that one. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. ESPN is a strange uh, organization at times. KFN Girl, Jody Halvey says, at least they got smart and put Leah Hextall in between the benches. Yeah, yeah, good choice there. I agree. Tom Hand, yep. Whew, that's a lot, but I like it. I like Tom Hand. He's good. I love Tom Hand. He says, uh, which line will turn out to be more consistent next season? Hartman, Kay Calder, Zook, or Rossi Boldifiella? Oh, man. Ooh. Well, so far, Hartman, Calder, and, and Zook have been the guys, so it's hard to bet against them, but, ooh, Rossi Boldifiella. Uh, maybe my mouth is watering, and it's not be, not for, uh, yeah, inappropriate reasons, necessarily. <laughs> my mouth, yeah, I mean, that is an awesome one. Um, Tom Hayen oh, excuse me, says team is a perfect 5-0-0 oh, oh, since the trade deadline team is going to skate to the number one overall seed in the west oh number two pardon me number two overall seed in the west and will no doubt face the Alley Cats in the cup final is that enough to get GM Bill Guerin the GM of the year award oh yeah yeah I think he should get it if, if the wild go to the final versus the uh, Florida Alley Cats yes <laughs> the Florida Alley Cats and then Florida loses in the final again. <laughs> yeah, Tom Hans says, will the fans and media members of the Snowflakes drop all the blame on the team's second-round loss to, uh, on Mukau? Possibly. All, yeah, possibly. Or it could also be uh, just the fact that the Wild did such a good job uh, acquiring the right pieces, I guess. Tom says, how is it possible that the officiating in the NHL seems to be getting worse? In these days, I'm not surprised when anything gets worse anymore. <laughs> Everything's getting worse. Movies are worse. Music is worse. Uh, NBA's... There's no way the NBA is as good as it used to be. Most people would disagree with me. Uh, sorry. Michael, Scotty, Patrick Ewing, Hakeem Olajuwon. I'm sorry. Those guys are, were more entertaining than the current uh, stars in the NBA. Uh, there's many more names, obviously, I could mention. Include, you know, the Kobe, God rest his soul, guys like that. But, but I'm talking before Kobe. Dominic Wilkins, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. Yeah. Jay Bushy says, "If the, gosh, okay, uh, if the Wild secured their spot either two or three in the Central, could we see many players sitting out one or two of the final games? Granted, we have to field a lineup. I think some guys will. For certain guys that maybe are nursing something, will sit out. Yes, I, I think so. Great to hear from you, Jay. Always. Um, Derek says, and great to hear from Tom. Really, thank you for the lightning round. Final question. Final question of the show. Derek says, with the Revelation that number 47's two-year contract extension comes with a full no-movement clause. Okay, never mind. He can't get traded. Sorry for that dumb take earlier. What's wrong with these guys that there are no movements? Sorry. The no-movement clause. Do you think while GM Bill Guerin would struggle in the game of NHL contract Tetris? Possibly. I don't know why he did that. He must love Goligoski. Hopefully Goligoski plays better the next two years, but I'm doubting it. I'm doubting it. That guy kind of looks like Jules Eriksson-Eck a little bit. The guy throwing the controller down. Looks a little bit like him. <laughs> yeah, Tetris. Tetris is hard, man, once you get further in the game like this this guy did. Line 48. Wow. Impressive. Level 18. Okay, with that said, thank you all very, very much for listening. Shout-outs to MNW Prospects slash Young Guns. Really appreciate being a part of that organization, that uh, page and Twitter account. Wish I could be more valuable to them. But they do an amazing job, and of course, someday we'll have prospects in the uh, the queue and the British Columbia Hockey League that I can cover again for that page. 
Other than that, though, they did an amazing job covering all the different prospects at all the different levels, and including the young guys in the NHL. Love young guns. Shout out to Minnesota Wild Global, Minnesota Wild Nation. Thank you guys so very much. Please write a positive rating for Brave the Wild on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Audible, or Spotify if you could. With that said, want to thank all of you for listening to the show. Tell your friends about it, and we will talk to you next week. 